Hello and welcome to episode number 103 of The Draft Analyst, presented by the Believe Sports Podcast Network. Do you believe? I'm your host, Chris Tripodi. And joining me, as always, is Tony Pauline. And Tony, the college football playoff national championship game is set. Before we get to breaking down those semifinal games, did the result of either surprise you? I think the result of the second game surprised me because I thought Ohio State would win. And really, that game changed on a dime on that targeting penalty with Sean Wade, which we'll get into. First game did not surprise me at all. It was a, it was a long day. I mean, I, I was live blogging the games at Pro Football Network. Started at uh, 4 o'clock, took about a half-hour break, and I think I ended at a quarter to 12 at night. So it was almost eight straight hours. But it was enjoyable. That's a full work day for you, Tony. A uh, full work day for anybody. <laughs> so obviously, we're going to talk about the first game here, the one that didn't really have a surprising result because LSU – ran up the score in a 63-28 to win over Oklahoma. And really, we have to start here with Joe Burrow, as we seem to do every time we talk about LSU in general. More touchdowns in 20 minutes for Burrow and receiver Justin Jefferson than anybody else in a full college playoff game. I mean, this was just pure domination early on. Burrow had eight total touchdowns, seven through the air. He ran one in as well. Continued to show just elite precision passing. Made some really great throws on the move. Top-notch pocket presence. But Jefferson's a guy we have to talk about here. His 14 catches, 227 yards, four touchdowns. Just the burst he shows out of his route breaks combined with his physical skills. He is always open, and Burrow did a great job finding him. Made some plays and contested in tight situations, too, when he didn't create five to ten yards of separation. But Jefferson was absolutely the alpha receiver in this game over Jamar Chase, over Terrence Marshall Jr., who had two touchdowns himself. What more is really there to say about this connection, Tony? No, I mean, not much. Uh, and, you know, I would expect Jefferson tends to the draft. A lot of people are already anointing him as a first-round pick off of this performance. I disagree with that, you know, primarily because we knew going into the game and we said going into the game – uh, that LSU was going to score a lot of points. Granted, I didn't think they were going to score as many points as they did. I did say I thought they would win by 21 points. They were up by 21 points at the end of the first quarter. So, I mean, Jefferson's a draft grade, I think, will, will uh, depend in large part how he runs the 40. But the fact is this. LSU always has good receivers, and they're good college receivers that usually turn out to be better receivers in the NFL. And I think Justin Jefferson is just the next one in line. And on the flip side of this game, Jalen Hurts, quarterback for Oklahoma, struggled a bit, very slow start. I think he completed two out of his first 11 passes or so, finished 15 for 31, 217 yards in the interception, did add two touchdowns on the ground, but overall not a terribly inspiring performance from Jalen Hurts. And this game was kind of over early. C.D. Lamb had a couple big plays, showed the body control to adjust in tight spots, but wasn't able to truly get going, especially when facing off against the guys like Derek Stingley Jr., Christian Fulton. A lot of his big plays came in specific matchups where he was in the slot against a safety or something like that. But overall, just for Oklahoma, a bad script in this game, falling behind early. It's not their type of offense to play catch-up, especially against such an explosive team like LSU. I think what also surprised a lot of people was LSU's pass rush because LSU was harassing Jalen Hurts. I think the way, way Jalen Hurts was surprised by it and many of us were surprised by it. I mean, it was a great defensive game planning uh, by LSU. 
who, like you said, I mean, Oklahoma got behind quickly. They couldn't answer to LSU's offense. I thought Oklahoma would be able to score some points. They never really did. They didn't score any meaningful points anyway. And, you know, you mentioned C.D. Lamb. He's already made official his declaration for the draft. I'm waiting on two more guys who I expect from uh, Oklahoma to enter the draft. Kenneth Murray, the linebacker, who when talking with a lot of people or texting with a lot of people during the game on Sunday, uh, on Sunday, uh, the uh, semifinal game, said on Saturday, I should say, believe that Kenneth Murray does not get out of the first round. And then their center, redshirt sophomore Creed Humphrey. A couple of people told me that he's heavily into the uh, agent uh, deciding process, and they, they think that Creed Humphrey is going to enter the draft. Yeah, I mean, after all the offensive linemen that that team lost last year, Creed Humphrey was the one guy returning, and he played a good game in this one. It wasn't really his fault that Jalen Hurst was getting harassed as he was, but it's just going to be another defection from the Sooners offensive line that is going to look a lot different next year than it did two years ago. Well, listen, there are some programs, Oklahoma and especially LSU, that consistently lose a lot of underclassmen, and they have to replenish as opposed to, let's say, Clemson, who somehow Dabo Sweeney's got the magic touch to bring a lot of his guys back. but, it, you know, you've got to know that Lincoln Raleigh has got to know that. Bob Stoops has got to know that. I mean, you have to constantly replenish because you're going to lose talented underclassmen to the NFL, Creed Humphrey being one of them. Now, the second game was much more competitive here. Did look like it could get a little out of hand early. Ohio State opened up a 16-0 lead late in the second quarter. And frankly, the game wasn't even as close as that score. I mean, they were settling for field goals when if they were scoring touchdowns, they could have put this one away even. But as you mentioned, that targeting penalty from Sean Wade early, he's out of the game. Everything just seemed to change after that. Clemson fought hard. Trevor Lawrence had that long touchdown run. That ended up making it 16-14 at half. They had the momentum going into the locker room, and then they took the lead early in the third quarter and never looked back. We talked on our last episode about this game really being one where there's something for everybody in terms of what you like to watch on the football field. You mentioned that Penn State-USC Rose Bowl game from a few years ago. This one was really just as good, if not better. Yeah, I, I mean, I thought that the difference in the game would be the Ohio State defensive line and the way that they would dominate Clemson. And they did that for the first quarter and a half. But like, you know, as we said, that targeting penalty really just swung the momentum of the game instantaneously. I gave Clemson a first down on a third down situation where Ohio State would have gotten the ball back. Then there was a pass interference penalty. Then you saw basically Travis Etienne will his way into the end zone with a great touchdown run. And from that point on, all Clemson did was blitz five, six guys, and Ohio State had no answer. Obviously, the uh, injury, the ankle injury to J.K. Dobbins was major because you could see that he lost a lot of that explosive burst. When I was watching the game, you know, he just did not have that ability to stick his foot in the ground and take off. And a lot of the six- and seven-yard runs that we saw from J.K. Dobbins in the second half would have been 15- or 20-yard runs uh, had he been on two healthy ankles. People kept talking about that great ankle tackle by Isaiah Simmons, you know, to bring uh, J.K. Dobbins down after a seven-yard run, or J.K. Dobbins would have gone, you know, probably for another 20 20 to 25 yards. I think if J.K. Dobbins was was healthy, Isaiah Simmons doesn't have that ability to make the tackle because – uh, J.K. Dobbins is long gone. Then again, as much as I like J.K. Dobbins, he did a great job uh, running the ball, solid job pass catching, outstanding job as a blocker. He did drop that screen pass 
uh, in the middle of the second quarter before the targeting penalty to Sean Wade. And he had a convoy of blockers in front of him. So, and in the end, uh, Ohio State had to settle for a field goal instead of a touchdown, which happened on a lot of their drives early on, which kind of also would have changed the game. Yeah, I mean, that drop, I mean, that's something you don't see from Dobbins very often. He's a sure-handed guy out of the backfield, but he was trying to run before he had that. And that, that was a touchdown. I mean, he had blockers in front of him. I don't think there was much of a chance that he wasn't going to get to the end zone. And then he has that diving catch in the end zone that got overturned that he also couldn't finish there. But injuries, you mentioned the one to Dobbins. They're really a story of this game. Obviously, Justin Fields came in a bit hobbled, which when you're getting pressured like Clemson was bringing it in the second half, he didn't have his normal escapability. T. Higgins was out of the game for pretty much the entire first half after the first or second play. Justin Ross was in and out of the game. So there were a lot of guys that were either banged up heading in or banged up during the game that really changed a lot of the dynamic of it. Trevor Lawrence had to pick up some of the slack on the ground with his receivers not really there. Travis Etienne did make some plays through the air. You mentioned that hard touchdown run before. Touchdowns of 53 and 34 yards on short dump-off passes. Listen, the guy's not the most natural receiver in the world, but you get him the ball, he can catch a short pass, and you get him the ball in space. And he is just electric, has that top-end speed to take it to the house. And J.K. Dobbins, before his injury, showed top-end speed that a lot of people don't necessarily think he has when he took that play to the house. He did get caught on one later on. It's not his calling card, but everything else the guy does really well. Really an underrated back complete player three down guy who's really going to make a big impact at the NFL level you talk about the injuries and I was going to tweet this out uh that while I was watching the game but I thought I better not if you've ever saw the original version of the movie Rollerball with James Caan it's a great movie and how they were constantly taking guys off the what was in the playing field was was the roller derby uh circle in stretchers. I mean, they're con- that's what that game reminded me of, uh, uh, the Fiesta Bowl. They were constantly dragging guys out because it was such a battle. And I was reminded of Rollerball with James Kahn where it was a similar situation. He- even Lawrence got banged up at one point in time. He had to come out. But I, that was a brutal man game uh, w- w- with guys. I-, I mean, it was vicious. You could tell that each team basically just gave everything they had. And for Clemson's going to have to do it again against LSU. Yeah, and I mean, that's what made this game so fun. It's just these teams are out there competing, and you could see it, and you could feel it. And a lot of times you don't get that. But if you look on the defensive side of the ball, we've talked a lot about the offensive players. We mentioned Isaiah Simmons briefly, only had four tackles, but made a nice play on an interception along the sideline. Just the versatility he has. He was backed off the line in a single high alignment on that play. Other downs, he's playing run and chase linebacker and, and stopping the run. Just unbelievable value for a player like that at the NFL level. And we do have to mention Chase Young here. It was a quiet game for him. Two tackles, one hurry. I mean, his linemate, Robert Landers, was more effective than him in this game. Very disruptive, a, a first-step lineman type of guy who really made Sean Pollard struggle, the center for Clemson. He was shooting gaps. He was pushing the pocket. But back to Young. I know, Tony, you've heard some concerns about him around the league that people watching this game said it only exacerbated. What are those? Well, it wasn't around the league. It was from the New York Giants. I spoke to somebody and they had asked, they, you know, we were in conversation. They said, you know, the way the conversation went was, you know, scouts feel or they felt that big players step up in the big games. And they really hadn't seen that from Chase Young the prior two games, those prior two games being the Michigan game and the Wisconsin game, which I think he had no tackles, 
and one and a half sacks. I think he had a, a two quarterback hurries. And I was like, well, I, I think that's uh, the name of Vernon Golston all of a sudden, you know, jumped in my head uh, when he was saying that. I said, but, you know, I like Chase Young. I, I don't want to brand him as that, that just yet. And then, you know, basically, I mean, he had a couple of good quarterback pressures, but he did not alter the, the game at all. Like I thought he did not come up big, uh, uh, you know, the way I thought the Clemson offensive tackles and the right tackle Atrum, who is going to be a guard at the next level. He's not the most nimble guy. They basically, they didn't stop him, but they contained him and they slowed him down and they basically made him a non-factor in the game. So that is going to be a talking point as far as Chase Young is concerned as we move towards the draft. And there's going to be a lot of debate about that. There's going to be people on both sides of the aisle. When I tweeted that out uh, during the game, I mean, people were just went crazy. I mean, how, how you know, the Giants are fools. People all, all of a sudden took that tweet to mean that the Giants were not going to draft Chase Young, which is not what it meant at all. I mean, I, I, it didn't even come across like that. People just read that into it. But I guarantee you, it's going to be a talking point. And Chase Young is going to be asked about that. He's going to be asked about that, not only in the media, but he's going to be asked about that during combine interviews. Guarantee you at the combine, when he steps to the podium for the media interview, he's going to be asked about the fact that Really, it wasn't non-existent, but it was not a factor in the semifinal game. It was not a factor in the uh, big title uh, contest against Wisconsin. It's, it's going to be a talking point, and he's going to have to answer it. i got to also tell you, I was very disappointed in the Ohio State uh, wide receivers. I just did think Justin Fields did not have a good game. Justin Fields did not look good as a passer. He was very hesitant. Uh, he was slow to pull the trigger. He was late delivering throws. But I also think the Ohio State receivers, and they got a lot of seniors that we're going to see at the Senior Bowl, just did not step up and really help the situation or help their quarterback at all. Again, I tweeted out that the Ohio State receivers, somebody needed to step up and make a big play because everything was on J.K. Dobbins' shoulders, and they never really did. It seemed like Austin Mack was the only guy who was even getting a semblance of separation and getting open, but that's not his game. He's a possession receiver. He's a solid guy when you get him the ball, but he's not going to break big plays. K.J. Hill had one play early on and then just disappeared the rest of the way, and, and yeah, no one was really making plays on that offense, and when Dobbins is hobbled and you have Justin Fields, who was pretty confined to the pocket in this one, just not a good recipe for an explosive offense for the Buckeyes. And, and again, it was... Uh, they had no answer to, for the Clemson pass rush because Clemson was consistently throwing five and six guys. They had no answer for that. Uh, the tight end Farrell looked good early on, but he was, he was non-existent. Uh, and really they had, they, they had no contingency plan or no real alternative plan. Once JK Dobbins went down and the way that the game changed on a dime with the Sean Wade penalty, the Ohio state offense had no answer when J.K. Dobbins was injured, and you could see what he meant to that offense, plus the fact, as I said, Justin Fields did not have a good game throwing the ball, and the Ohio State receivers or tight ends really did not step up. Now, we could go forever on, on these games, but it is time now to take a look ahead to the bowl games on Tuesday. But before that, a word from our sponsor. Support for the draft analyst comes from Manscaped, who brings you the best in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Wow. Manscaping accidents are finally a thing of the past. Manscaped have redesigned the electric trimmer. Their lawnmower 2.0 has propriety skin-safe technology, so this trimmer helps you avoid nicks or snags. Another advantage of this custom trimmer? 
your current trimmer won't have to pull double duty below the belt and above the neck. That's just dirty. Yeah, Manscaped also has Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You're wondering where I was going with that one. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the worst smelling part of your body? Get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. Start the new year off the right way by using the best tools for the job. So get 20% off and free shipping with the code BELIEVE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Make sure you use the code BELIEVE. And all I got to say is after reading that, we better be getting paid a lot of money for that advertisement. I think we are, Tony. We are officially rich now. And starting at noon, the Belk Bowl on Tuesday between Virginia Tech and Kentucky at the time of the recording right now on Monday afternoon, the status of Hokies cornerback Caleb Farley is uncertain due to a back injury. Still some intrigue in the Virginia Tech secondary, though, with safeties Reggie Floyd and Khalil Ladler. The other Hokie to watch would be wide receiver Damon Hazleton, 6'2", 216 pounds. Not really a great hands catcher, tends to trap the ball against his body a bit, struggles to track the ball down the field, but he is a load to bring down after the catch. Kentucky's top prospects, they're found on the offensive line. Guard Logan Stenberg is the best of the bunch, small area power blocker with a nasty attitude. Fellow guard Mason Wolf and tackle Landon Young also have NFL futures, so there is some intrigue in this game, but especially so if Farley, who leads the ACC in passes defended, can play. Just no great one-on-one matchups, Tony. You know, first, a couple of underclassmen notes from this contest. I'm told that Celeb Farley is definitely going back to school. We've talked about him a couple of times on this podcast. I'm also told that Damon Hazleton, the the Virginia Tech uh, wide receiver, um, who's had a big year, is likely to return to school. One guy who's not going to return to school is Lynn Bowden Jr., the uh, Kentucky quarterback who may be a receiver, uh, running back, uh, basically uh, someone who does a little bit of everything at the next level. Uh, is expected to play in this contest. And the way that the Virginia Tech defense uh, guards against him, because he can beat you in a variety of ways, Lynn Bowden, is going to be very interesting to see. No first or second day uh, prospects in this game, although we'll have to wait and see where Lynn Bowden falls in the draft. There are some people think he could be a top 45 pick. I'm a little bit cooler on him. I think he's a great athlete who's going to have to find a position at the next level. But really what you're looking at is primarily third-day guys that are going to be second and third uh, players on the depth chart at the next level. Next up, we have the Tony the Tiger Sun Bowl between Florida State and Arizona State. Seminoles running back Cam Akers won't play in this one after declaring for the draft. Sun Devils running back Eno Benjamin, though, also has declared he will play, as will center Cole Cabral. We'll get to match up with Florida State defensive tackle Marvin Wilson, two players who win with power, so a strength-on-strength matchup here for those two. We're also going to see cornerbacks Chase Lucas and Kobe Williams for Arizona State go up against Tamori and Terry of Florida State, 6'4", 203 pounds, tall and lanky. Lucas is closer to six foot. We'll probably see more of Terry than the 5'10", Williams, but neither guy really sized well enough to, to take on Terry at the catch point. Yeah, another game with primarily uh, day three picks. Marvin Wilson, the Florida State defensive tackle, has announced he will return uh, for a senior year, which I think is a good thing. Uh, he could potentially move into the second round of the draft. Uh, their pass rusher, Janarius Robinson, who was making noise about entering the draft, I'm told he's also going to return to school. Uh, Eno Benjamin right now is getting a lot of third-day grades uh, in the scouting community. Came into the season that the uh, Arizona State running back, as a potential second-day choice, 
really didn't have a good year from a statistical point of view, just seemed off of his game. But I think he's going to be a viable rotational back, situational player at the next level. Uh, sort of a, a mini J.K. Dobbins in that he does everything very well. But he, unlike Dobbins, he's not spectacular in any area. I would expect Eno Benjamin, depending on how fast he runs at the combine, you're looking at probably a fourth or fifth round pick. Maybe he does enough to uh, uh, grab somebody's attention and squeezes into the, the late part of uh, the third round. Now, the third game on Tuesday is the AutoZone Liberty Bowl. Features Kansas State and Navy. Per usual, no real prospects from the Naval Academy. The Wildcats, though, do have a few undersized defenders of intrigue. Also, offensive tackle Scott France could be a late-round pick as well. But overall, not an overly exciting game for NFL draft prospects. No, but watch Malcolm Perry, the quarterback from Navy. He's going to be playing in the Shrine game. He is someone that some scouts actually have a late-round grade on. They, they've given him a draftable grade. He's a quarterback who's best running the ball. He's incredibly quick, projects as a uh, third down back, situational uh, ball carrier at the next level. Will be interesting to see how they use him at the Shrine game. Obviously, in this game, he's going to be running the show for the Navy offense. Be interesting to see how they use him at the uh, Shrine game. Is he used at quarterback? Is he lined up as a running back? It's also going to be interesting to see now with the uh, change in the, the uh, Department of Defense rules that Malcolm Perry can actually pursue his NFL career upon graduating from Navy and then uh, fulfill his uh, naval commitment or his military commitment later on, whether Malcolm Perry decides to play in the NFL next year or whether he's going to immediately serve and fulfill his uh, duties to the Naval, to the United States Navy, I should say. Now we'll get to the final two bowls in just a moment, but first, a word from our sponsor. Christmas has come and gone, but the Super Bowl is quickly approaching. We've seen just what our teams are capable of this season, and now it's time to get your last bets in before the big games. Will the Ravens get it done? Can Tom Brady and the Patriots get themselves another ring? I bet you have a feeling about both. Head over to mybookie.ag to make your predictions a reality. MyBookie is one of the most trusted in the industry. If you're looking for a sports book to make some bets for the bowl games, MyBookie is where you want to go. Football not your thing? be strange if you're listening to this podcast and it wasn't your thing, but there's no worries even still. MyBookie has it all, from the NBA to the Premier League. They've got the fastest payouts, the best promotions, and a very helpful 24-7 customer service team. You can even pool your bets together for a bigger payout. Let's say you got a couple of big favorites this week. Parlay wages let you bet multiple games together, and if they all come through, you win big. My bookie has more lines and better odds for the player than any other sports book around. If you join right now, my bookie will match your deposit halfway all the way up to $1,000. That means if you deposit $2,000, you'll get an extra $1,000 in free money to play with. All you have to do is use our promo code BLV to activate the offer. Once again, that's promo code BLV to get your extra cash from my bookie. My bookie, bet, win, and get paid. Now, our fourth game of the Tuesday slate is the Nova Home Loans Arizona Bowl, where Wyoming will go up against Georgia State. Now, if we thought the last game was lacking prospects, this one really is. Wyoming linebacker Logan Wilson, over 400 career tackles, a four-year starter. So he's a guy that definitely has a shot at being a late-round pick. Anybody else, Tony? That's basically it. Logan Wilson's going to be at the senior bowl, so we'll see him there. Wyoming does have a kicker. Uh, we never talk about kickers here, and Cooper Roth, 
who is basically great as a priority free agent with those kickers. You want to see if a guy like Roth does get a, a combine invite because they, he could then jump into the late rounds of the draft. But as far as NFL draft prospects in this game is concerned, it's Logan Wilson of Wyoming or bust. Now the new year's Eve nightcap is not going to have the issues of the last two games we discussed. This would be a good one. The Valero Alamo bowl between Utah and Texas. Now we discussed the Utah secondary all the time on this show. It's missing Julian Blackman for this game due to injury. It's also missing Jalen Johnson, who will skip the game, which is a shame because it would have been fun to watch him go up against Colin Johnson, a guy with size, against the corner with size. But it's a big opportunity here for Javelin Guidry to step up his game, a guy Tony has talked about liking often on this show. We also have Bradley Anay, Lecky Fotu, and Francis Bernard all playing in this game for the Utah defense. So still a lot of talent there. And it'll be very interesting to watch Anay when he lines up against Texas tackle Samuel Cosme, who recently requested his own draft grade from the committee. Yeah, you know, and you mentioned uh, Guidry. I'm told Guidry is going to enter the draft. Uh, it's pretty close to it. Uh, smaller guy, track guy. I, as I put out uh, last week, uh, if he enters the draft, he'll get a combine invite. And when he runs the combine, I expect him to run in the four twos. He's that fast. You know, we, we always talk about Colin Johnson, but Texas has another outstanding receiver who's having a great year in Devin DuVernay who's outplayed Colin Johnson uh, on a number of occasions this year. And DuVernay is more of a last-day guy. He's a slot receiver, number four at the next level. But, you know, as you said, w with uh, Jalen Johnson uh, not playing and um, uh, who's the other guy? Uh, Blackman. My favorite guy, J Blackman not playing because of injury. May open up some things for DuVernay. Also, don't forget Terrell Burgess, the safety from uh, Utah. Here's a guy who was not even graded by scouts, not mentioned by scouts coming into the year. He's had a sensational campaign in 2019, has uh, jumped into the uh, last day of the draft. We're going to see him in some of the postseason bowl games. He's a guy to keep an eye on. I did read that uh, Texas quarterback Sam Ellinger has requested a grade from the advisory committee. You know, Ellinger is a terrific college quarterback. I don't project him all that highly at the next level. In fact, I think at best he's a last day pick. Uh, he's a guy who's very productive on the college level, but his accuracy, his throwing fundamentals, uh, really his overall play, as far as I'm concerned, just do not project well to the NFL. His best decision would be to stay another year on the, on the college field. And I'm glad you mentioned DuVernay there because Johnson missed half the season. He's only played six of Texas's 12 games, and DuVernay has played every game. He's stepped up big time when Johnson hasn't been there, over 100 catches this year, he came in with maybe around 60 or 50 career catches, so a big breakout season for him, almost 1,300 yards and eight touchdowns. Definitely a slot type of guy, but runs good routes, knows how to use the sideline, really makes some professional catches out there. So he's an exciting guy to watch who I certainly should have mentioned in the open. We're going to flip sides of the ball here and look at the Utah offense. And here, all eyes are going to be on running back Zach Moss, a guy who's got good patience and bursts, rarely taken down by the first defender, and a functional receiver who they seem to have gotten more involved in the passing game, understanding that he is their offense and they need to get him the ball in space. You got aggressive safety Brandon Jones for the Longhorns, who's going to be key in run support, as will linebacker Jeffrey McCullough, a good size and speed type of guy. And I know you felt McCullough, at least, was underrated entering the season, Tony. Ridiculously underrated. I mean, he was a guy who was given street free agent grades by scouts and I graded him as a six round pick. And when you watch him, he's all over the place. I mean, he's 
explosive up the field. He's outstanding in space, or as they like to call him now, an off-the-ball linebacker. So watching McCullough's ability to chase down uh, Zach Moss in pursuit is going to be something to keep an eye on. You know, the uh, a lot of the uh, Utah offense kind of relies on how their quarterback, Tyler Huntley, does. During that stretch in the middle of the season where they were rated in the top eight, he was on fire, and then he fell flat against Oregon. Oregon had the answer for him, and basically he was terrible. So, uh, you know, Huntley's got to have – wants to have a good game after that terrible performance in the Pac-12 championship. We're going to see Huntley at the Shrine game. So is he an NFL passer, or is he just a good athlete who does well on the college level? Uh, I think right now most scouts feel that he's, he's a good athlete who – does well at quarterback on the college level and is very unlikely to be selected in draft. And that's it for the 103rd episode of the draft analyst presented by the believe sports podcast network. Do you believe if you're enjoying the show, please subscribe on any of the major podcast platforms and leave us a rating and a review and feel free to ask us questions on Twitter that we'd be happy to answer on the show. As a reminder, Head over to profootballnetwork.com to check out all of Tony's work from now through the draft and make sure to listen to us every week for more as draft season heats up over the next several months. On behalf of Tony Pauline, I'm Chris Tripodi. Good night. Everyone has a favorite photo. Now you can turn yours into canvas wall art at canvasworld.com. Canvasworld.com will print your photograph on a handcrafted custom canvas at the size of your choice. They combine the latest technology and environmentally friendly inks to produce canvas prints that are higher quality than ever available before. And they guarantee their work for life. Maybe that's why six of the country's top 10 hotel chains choose Canvas World. Their prices are a fraction of what you'd pay elsewhere. And it's easy. Just upload your photo, choose a size, and you're done. They'll even digitally retouch your photo absolutely free. Place your order at canvasworld.com today and save 35%. Plus, get free shipping when you enter promo code photo at checkout. Get big Canvas prints at big savings at canvasworld.com and save 35% and get free shipping when you enter promo code photo at checkout. Check out. Order yours today at canvasworld.com. That's canvasworld.com, where photos become art.